Isaiah told that when Israel was going to come back in the land, that it was going to bloom like a rose. And uh, that's what it looks like over there. And it's just like a line of demarcation. You can separate Israel from the other lands because it's all green and beautiful. And, and then you go over here and it's desert and it's ugly and dirt. So I wonder where the line of Israel ends. Huh, I wonder. You can, you can see it. So it's kind of exciting. You know, if you've ever been over there, it's a good place to be. To go over at least one time in your lifetime to be able to see that. Then you can read a place in the Bible and it talks about Bethesda or Bethany or whatever, then you can say, oh, I was there. I know where that was at. I've been there. So it's kind of exciting. It kind of makes those places come alive. And you know, not that we don't know that they're there, but there's just a, a, a realization, yes, I stepped there. I stepped in the same places that maybe Jesus walked. And there are some places there that actually was the places that Jesus actually probably sat or uh, stepped on. So it's kind of, you know, exciting, not that, you know, we don't worship that kind of stuff, but it's just the reality of knowing, you know, hey, this place really exists, and it just kind of reaffirms your faith. So anyway, it's, it's exciting. Uh, it's good to be here, amen? I'm exciting today. Let's pray before I get carried away here. Our praise and Father, Lord, I thank you for this day and your blessings that you've given to each one of us. And thank you, Lord, for this thy people, Lord, and their faithfulness, Lord, to come to your house. We ask now your anointing upon this service, Lord, and upon the, the message, Lord, that, that you've given unto me, Lord. I pray that you'd open their hearts to receive it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now, I've been talking, like I said, for the last probably month, or just mentioned it kind of in passing, about baptism and how important it is, and it's something that we need to do as Christians. And now we've got it here. The realization is here. And tonight we're going to utilize this, and we're going to, you know, baptize some people. But you might wonder, man, why do I hit it so heavy? Why do I make such a big deal out of baptism? It's just getting dunked in some water. I do that every day when I take a bath. What's the big deal? Why do I have to take a bath in front of other people? <laughs> well, I want to talk about that a little bit this morning, about why be baptized. What's the big deal about it? Why do I keep hitting it hard every time that that uh, we have some people that I know need to be baptized. Why is the big deal about it? What's so important about it? So I want to talk about that this morning. And we're going to be in Matthew uh, 28, first of all. And then we'll be going to Matthew 3. And then we're going to kind of jump around a little bit. Which I know is always fun to jump, right? <laughs> and uh, I know that a lot of these scriptures we're familiar with. And I probably mentioned them in a few times. But I want to be able to you know, just show you why is it important to be baptized? What's the big deal about it? Is it something we have to do today? Is it something that, uh, or is it something that only the disciples had to do or, or only certain people had to do? I want to talk about that. Hopefully by the end of this service this morning, you're going to realize that how important baptism is. And if you've never been baptized, then maybe you'll, you'll get baptized. Amen? Because that's the whole idea, right? <laughs> that's why we're going to do it. Okay, um, we're in Matthew 28, starting in verse 19. We're going to talk about 19 and 20. Now, I said these verses we know, uh, most of us can quote them by heart because we hear about them a lot. And it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, no one doubts 
that Jesus spoke these words. There's some issues that some theologians say, well, maybe this part, you know, and you'll see sometimes you'll see parentheses or you'll see little notes and say that this particular verse wasn't in uh, the, some text or this one wasn't in another text from, or Bible from old times or whatever, and they note that. And so you can know those things. I mean, it isn't a big deal to me. I mean, if it's in the Bible, I think that God wanted it in there, <laughs> number one. So, but there nobody doubts that these scriptures were in any version of any Bible that you have. Nobody doubts that Jesus spoke these words. Now, that's important because you don't want to talk about something and use it for a basis to do something if some, not everybody agree, doesn't agree on it. That'd be crazy. I didn't want no arguing about, well, they, they don't believe this or they don't believe this over here. Everybody believes that Jesus spoke these words. Now, because Jesus spoke these words, that should end the discussion. There should not be any discussion about it whatsoever. He told us to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, if we weren't supposed to be baptized, why would he tell us to do it? Doesn't make any sense. So because Jesus said to do it, that's reason enough for me. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what your aunt or uncle said. I don't care what a theologian said. I don't care about any of that. All I care is what did Jesus say. That settles it for me. But we live in a society where we're more educated, so, so maybe this isn't quite enough reason. <laughs> I don't know why. But anyway, so I'm going to talk about some other reasons why we should be baptized. The act of baptism is basically a response to salvation. That's why I said, get disciples, make disciples. Well, how do you become a disciple of Christ? The only way you become a disciple of Christ is to accept him as your Savior, ask him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins. That's the only way you become a disciple. So baptism doesn't save you. Some people teach that, that, you have, that if you're not baptized, you won't be saved. But that isn't the reality of it. Because Jesus said, if you make disciples, then baptize them. It's kind of a package deal. Only disciples are baptized. Only people that are Christians are baptized. That's the reality of it. So you don't need to worry about going baptizing somebody that doesn't know Jesus because it isn't going to do them any good. And baptism isn't going to get you saved. You get baptized because you're saved, not to be saved. And that's where a lot of confusion sometimes ends up in, in different people's de denominations or in people's own personal theology. They think that if I'm not baptized, I'm not going to be saved. Well, what happens if you can't be baptized? Thief on the cross didn't get a chance to be baptized. But he's still saved. Jesus said he was saved. But we don't have that excuse this morning. Unless if you, if you get saved hanging on a cross, you don't have to get baptized. Or if you're on your deathbed when you get saved, you don't have to be baptized. Those are the exemptions. So you don't get baptized to be saved. You get baptized because you're saved. And that's where we kind of miss it a little bit. In Matthew, the third chapter, if you want to kind of flip back there, we're going to read a few more scriptures there than we did in Matthew. <clears throat> Matthew, the third chapter. And so most of these, some of these scriptures we've heard, read before, and you've probably read them a hundred times. I read them every year because I read through my Bible every year, once every year. That's a good habit to get into. If you're going to develop a habit, that's a good one. Read through the Bible every year. You'll be amazed how, how much stuff 
that you think, well, man, I read that last year. I read that last week, and I don't remember that because things will jump out to you. There's a newness in the Bible because there's life in the, in the Bible, and, and God illuminates things to you you didn't see last year. So that's why it's important to read the God's Word every day. Because if you don't read it every day, even though you've read the same scripture over and over and over again a hundred times, God can still illuminate that to your heart. Because God's word is alive. And when we read God, when we take life into our lives, it's already awake or alive because we accepted Christ, then he can shine his light on something we didn't see before. So reading God's word is very important. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now jump down to verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. He that, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And jumping down to 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But God, John forbid him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. That's what the Bible said. That's what those verses said. And what that meant was that people that would come and they admitted that they had sinned. Now, this wouldn't go over very good in our church or any other church, Christian church today. They would stand out there in the middle of the river with John and they would confess their sins. I'm repenting for stealing over here. I'm repenting for lying to my neighbor. I'm repenting for coveting my neighbor's wife. Whatever it might be, they would convince their sins to an audience like this. I'm glad I don't have to do that, aren't you? I ain't going to ask anybody to confess their sins tonight, so don't worry about it because this the Christian baptism is not a baptism of repentance. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about that. But John's baptism was. And that's why there was such a, you know, John says, hey, I can't baptize you. And we all know Jesus was without sin. So he had nothing to repent for. So it would seem kind of crazy for Jesus to want to be baptized. But he said in that verse, he says, be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. He was fulfilling all righteousness. So if Jesus needed to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness, what makes us think we don't have to be? Doesn't make any sense. So he was baptized. He let um, John baptize him. And this was the beginning of his earthly ministry. He spent 33 years, 32 years, and I don't know whether it was the exact birthday of whether he turned 33. I have no idea. It probably was because at 30, excuse me, at 30 years, back up. 33 years when he died. At the age of 30, that was when, uh, if you were a Jewish man, that's when they considered you to be eligible to, for manhood, per se. You're, as, a, as a kid or as a person that's 13 or 14 or 12, they have their bar mitzvah where they have to go in and they talk to them and they have to quote the first five books of the Bible. How would you like to know that? How would you like to be able to do that? Wouldn't you like that, Sarah? For you could be considered a man. You had to... Con 
repeat or memorize the first five books of the Bible. Woo! Wouldn't have a lot of men in here today, would we? <laughs> but that's what they had to do. Then at age 30, something else happened. They qualified for uh, being able to become whatever they wanted to, if they wanted to be a rabbi, if they wanted to be whatever they wanted to be, to study and things like that. That was when their ministry life changed, or that's when their, uh, and that's what happened to Jesus. It was the beginning of his ministry on earth. And so when that happened, he went and was baptized to basically saying that, hey, I'm starting a new area in my life. I was just living and growing up and just uh, whatever I was doing up to this point, but now it's changed. Something's changed in my life. Now I've got three years that I'm going to do God's will. Not that he wasn't doing God's will before, because he was, but until he turned 30 years old, that's when the plan of salvation first enacted, I mean, as far as his on earth at that time. He is fulfilling it right there. So when he got baptized, that was saying, hey, something in my life has changed. The old life that I lived under my mom and dad or whatever it was, my life as a carpenter, because that's what Jesus' livelihood was. He was a carpenter. And uh, he was, I'll bet he was a good one. I'd like to have something that Jesus made. I'm surprised we don't have on eBay. This is a table that Jesus made when he was a carpenter. If you bid on this, let's see, minimum bid, $10,000. <laughs> I'm surprised we don't have something like that today, aren't you? But that's what he was until he was 30 years old. And then something changed in his life. He says, now, I've got to fulfill all righteousness. I've got to do the things that I need to do to prepare myself to be the Savior. And I've got to get people, my followers, and I've got to teach them all these things. He says, I only have three years to do this. And back then, three years was, enough, was probably enough time because they didn't have all the distractions we have. Of course, you can go to college and you can get a degree, some kind of a degree in three years, four years. If you went all the time like these disciples were, they sat under the feet of Jesus for three years, it was probably more like a doctorate at least in period of time because they you know, spent all their time with Jesus sitting at his feet and being taught. So, in other words, something changed in Jesus' life. And he was saying, because something's changed in my life, I'm going to be baptized into this new life. And that's what we do as Christians. Something's changed in our life. If you were a proselyte to Judaism, if you were a Gentile and you wanted to become a Jew spiritually, you had to basically renounce your old background or your own life and you would be baptized into Judaism. And it would be a sign saying, hey, I've renounced that old life and now my life changed. Something's different in my life. I'm no longer a dirty dog. I'm no longer a Gentile because that's what they thought Gentiles were was dirty dogs and that's what they called them I don't wouldn't like that anyway <laughs> you dirty dog <laughs> but if you wanted to be a Jew you had to renounce your old life and then you were baptized and then you were a Jew that's the way that it was and baptism was very popular back then everybody was baptizing for everything under the sun probably so it was something that was an acceptable thing to happen and uh, John's baptism was a little different than the other people's because you weren't being baptized into Judaism. You wasn't being baptized into a religion, per se. It was baptism or repentance. Wow, this was something different. And so he was kind of a different guy there. Now, Jesus is the one that established two ordinances in the church. And we all know that they are because we do one of them every month called communion and baptism. Those are the two ordinances that, that we call ordinances of the church that Jesus established himself. And he spoke, he's the one that spoke the words that we use at communion. 
So it kind of makes sense that we should use the words that Jesus spoke at baptism. Logically, that makes sense, doesn't it? So Jesus is the one that established baptism because he wanted us to realize that something in our life changed. When you become a believer, when you accept Christ into your life and into your heart, you've made a decision. You've renounced your past. You've repented, and that just means turning around and going a different direction. Sometimes we think this word means that, hey, I feel sorry. I, I have to feel bad about the things that I've done. And that isn't what repentance means. It, it is nice if we do feel bad for some of the sins that we've done and some of the things that we've done. It would be nice if we do. But there are some things in my past that I didn't feel bad about doing. How about you? But I repented. In other words, I changed directions. I'm not going the way, regardless of what, how many pleasures I had in this life that I used to live, I've started going a different direction. I turned my back on my past. And the minute I turn my back on my past, I'm supposed to make a, co a confession of faith by being baptized. That's the first thing that we're supposed to do. That's the first thing that God called you to do. And so Jesus says, be saved. If you're saved, be baptized. And it's kind of a package deal. Only baptized people were saved. It was as simple as that. And they just got to thinking about that. If you'd been baptized, you were saved. Didn't have anything to do with your salvation. It's just that it was just an automatic response, something that just automatically happened. And in the Old Testament, you never find any unbaptized Christians. If you read through there, there's not anybody in there that wasn't baptized. So I don't know how we got out of the, the mode of that because people that are baptized, they are less likely to backslide than people that, are, that aren't baptized. Now, why is that? That doesn't make any sense. What's baptism got to do with it? Well, because if you, to get baptized, you have to come up here, you have to step into the water, and you have to let me dunk you under the water, believing that I'm going to let you get up. <laughs> so you have to have a little bit of faith in there, plus you're doing it as, a, as an external sign to other people. It's a testimony. And if we can't come up here and be baptized in a tank in a church setting where Everybody here, basically, that's watching you is a Christian and a believer, and they're excited that you're willing to do this. How are we ever going to live for God out there in the workplace or in our family if we can't even do one little simple thing like this to say to the world, I'm a Christian. My life's changed. I've repented of my sin. I'm living in a different direction. There's something new in my life. So that in itself is an important act that, that we can do. Now, we take baptism for granted here in America because it's so easy. You know, just about every church that you have has a tank or something, so it's not a big deal. To us, we think, well, okay, and I guess to, to a certain degree, that's why we take it for granted and we don't think it's important because, hey, everybody's doing it. Everybody's got a tank, so it's not a big deal. Well, in some areas of the country, it is a big deal because to be baptized meant imprisonment or maybe even death. But people all over the world are still being baptized because they understand the importance of it. And they're willing to die. Because if you're baptized, that tells everybody that sees you, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm going to serve God. And there's some areas of the country that don't want you serving God. If you try to get baptized in a Muslim country, you may be shot or killed before you get out of the water. But they still do it. Because it's that important to be able to have that confession of faith, to be able to do something that Jesus commanded you to do and to be obedient to God. Remember we, we've said that last week that 
to obey is to better than sacrifice? You know, we think that we can sacrifice so many things in our life for God. Well, why not sacrifice yourself to a dunk tank? Because if it's a sacrifice, then yay, then maybe you should be doing it, huh? Amen. Now, it's only the external sign of something that's happened in our hearts. I wear a wedding ring here. I, that means, and when you see this wedding ring, you know instantly what this means, don't you? means that I'm married. Of course, some people do wear wedding rings and rings that aren't married. But generally speaking, most people that wear wedding rings are married. It's an external sign to let you know that I finally found a man that was willing to marry me. <laughs> and what he did, he even said he loved me. Way! <laughs> that hasn't changed, has it, honey? Just a little harder now, I know. <laughs> so, but that's all it is. It's just an external symbol that I have been married. If you wear, are in a service and you see somebody walking down the street in a uniform, you say, hey, that person's in the service. They're in the Army and they're in the Navy or they're in the Marines because the uniform identifies who they are. I don't think... I would be too happy, and neither would you, if you got married on your wedding day and you tried to give your husband a ring or your wife a ring, and they say, I don't want to wear the ring. Forget that. I don't, you know, for whatever reason. I, don't, I, I, got, a, I got a problem with wedding rings because somebody might think, think that it's, I mean, whatever. Who knows what excuse is. And I'm sure that'd go over really good, wouldn't it? My husband for, wouldn't want to wear my ring. He might be wearing the five-finger one with this one on it, you know, because it's important to us. And can you imagine if you go up to a recruiter and, you, and uh, they were recruiting somebody and the, and the guy says, you know, I'm willing to join the army. I really want to go. I want to be an, a soldier. I want to go do my thing for the country. But I don't want to go to boot camp and I don't want to wear that stupid uniform. I want to wear my own clothes because my clothes are cool. Cool, you know. You think that'd be Okay. They'd say, nope, you won't be in the army. No uniform, no boot camp, no army. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's the hardest problem that we have over in Afghanistan and Iran and Iraq is because they don't wear uniforms. If they wore uniforms, it'd be easy to know who the enemy was. But they don't. So sometimes they get the wrong, they kill the wrong people. Well, wear a uniform. <laughs> Yeah, right. So it's very important, and we understand these things. Well, water baptism is our uniform, if you will, or our wedding ring. It's the first thing that God has called us to do in order to tell, show everybody or the people that we know that our life's changed. And it's just an external sign. There's no, there's no magical power in the water. There's nothing in there that you're going to get. You know, if I sprinkle water on you, want to come up here and go like this, you're going to be healed because this is holy water. None of that stuff. It's just ordinary water. It's filled with a lot of chlorine. And that's it. And if you came in this morning, you can probably smell the uh, wood because my husband's got wood up on top of this holding the uh, pump in. So that's how we heat it is through a pump. And that, that treated wood gets all wet, and then that's what you smell when you come in, was that, and mix that with the chlorine. So anyway, if there's anything in there, it's chlorine. And I haven't known chlorine to heal anybody or do any wonderful things for, for anything. So anyway, it's very important. 
It's the first act of faith in which we testify to God and the world that we're Christians. And it's real easy to do. It don't, don't hurt a bit. Might get a little wet. Other than that, that's all. Um, Colossians 2.12 says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Being baptized is, is a command, it's not an option. And it symbolizes, in um, Romans 6, 4, 4, it says, Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into, into death. That is, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk in newness of life. Galatians 3.20 says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have enclosed yourself with Christ. Now see, the reason we don't like baptism, because we know deep down in our hearts, and if we don't, the devil will make sure you do know, is that baptism is a symbol of death. It's a funeral service. Who's the funeral for? It's our funeral. <laughs> That's what it is. So when we're going down into the water, we're associating ourselves with Christ's death. And so we're dying to ourselves. We're dying to everything that, that our own desires, our own goals, our own purposes, everything in our own life, our own life. We're dying to that. So it's a symbol. And then we're raised up. It says, hey, I'm raised in newness of life. And now my life's changed. Now I'm a Christian. I have new life going through my, blood, through my body. See, so it's a funeral. And we don't want to go to our own funeral because we're kind of, you know, regardless of whether you, how much you like yourself, we still kind of like ourselves a lot. And we don't want to do those kind of things. So, so that's why we're kind of resistant to that. We don't want to die to ourselves. We want to have our cake and eat it too. We want to have Jesus, and we still want to have the world. So we're straddling the fence. And you know what happens when you straddle the fence? Sooner or later you're going to fall, and it won't be pleasant. <laughs> God don't want no fence straddlers, because if you're straddling the fence, you're actually on the world's side. Because there's no fence straddlers. And you might as well just get off of the fence and jump in the tank and get it over with and agree with God and say, I'm dying to myself because I want to live to you. I want to have a new life in me and I want your life to rule and reign in my heart. Because that's what it means. That's the symbolism of what it is. And we need, when we understand that, we can see kind of the importance about it. Um, there's a lot of different places in the Bible where people uh, got saved. And I'm going to look at some of those things. Uh, Acts 2, 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Now, after they repent, be baptized. Remember, repenting comes first. <laughs> you can't just uh, come up and get baptized and be saved. You have to repent first. You have to accept Christ into your heart and into your life. You have to ask him to forgive you of your sins. Otherwise, the baptism is just taking a bath. In uh, Acts 2, 41, it says, They gladly received his word and were baptized. See, they gladly received the message of salvation. Sometimes we gladly receive the message of salvation. I did. I gladly received the message of salvation. I was excited about salvation. I was excited knowing that I could have, be a new creature, that the old things were passed away, and behold, all things were made new. I was excited about that. And so, because I was so excited about it, I didn't care whether I got to be dunked in a tank or not. It didn't matter to me. Okay, Jesus said to do it. I'm doing it. Because I was excited about salvation. 
And I wanted to show the people that, hey, my life's changed. And when I was baptized, I invited people to my baptism. I wanted them to know. Good chance for them to get, get all these people out right in one, one stroke of the pen. Don't have to worry about going to work Monday and saying, I got baptized last night. What for? Well, because I got saved. Oh, okay. Invite them. Say, hey, I become a Christian and I'm going to be baptized and let everybody know and see this new life that I'm going to be, become a new creature, that I become a new creature. And I want you to come and be a part of it. I want you to come and celebrate it with me. That's what the, these New Testament Christians felt about baptism. It was an exciting thing for them. In Acts 8, 12, it says, but that when they believed, Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Everyone was baptized when they believed. It was just like you can't have one without the other, love and marriage. You can't have one without the other. Uh, Acts 8, 36, it says, and they went on their way. They came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou wouldest believe with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Now, the eunuch was basically a religious person when Philip uh, seen him on the road. He was reading Isaiah, and he's trying to have a hard time understanding Isaiah 53. Well, it talks about Jesus and how he would suffer. Well, Philip just picked that up right there and says, This is Jesus. He died on a cross for your sin. And, oh, man, this is great news to this guy. He says, Man, I want in on that. And he said, Well, you can't if you believe. See, there's that if you believe, you can be baptized. If you don't believe, you can't be. Simple. And he says, well, what's hindering me to be baptized? Well, Philip didn't bring up the subject of baptism. The eunuch did. Because he understood baptism. He understood that they baptized a lot in his area. You could be, go be baptized anything you wanted to back there. They understood that. And he says, hey, what's hindering me from being baptized? Here's some water. Because you need water to be baptized. That's, you know, that's a pretty important requirement. You've got to have water, and not the invisible clothes water like the invisible king had. You've got to have real water. It's got to be wet. <laughs> so in uh, 22.16, Acts 22.16, it says, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Now this is right after the apostle Paul had his great vision of Christ, and uh, Ananias came and he talked to him about the Lord and put all the pieces together for him. And he says, why are you tarrying? Get baptized. And he was baptized. In Acts 16.33, and it says, And he took them that same hour of the night and wore their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. Now this was the jailer where Paul, uh, Paul and Silas were in jail. And the doors were opened by an angel, and they didn't go nowhere, and the, ja the jailer had thought that he was going to have... Because back then, if he was a jailer... Anybody escaped, you had to serve their time. So he was going to kill himself because there was too many prisoners that he was going to have to suffer for in their place. So he went down there and he sees them still there. Well, doorway to salvation. He got, they got to preach to this jailer about Christ. And so the jailer, he took them in their house and he cleaned them all up. And the first thing that happened was he was baptized. There was an urgency about being baptized back then. Acts 18.8 says, And Caiaphas, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. 
And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Were baptized. Everyone that was responded to Christ in faith well, got baptized. It was just an automatic, automatic thing you did. Saved, baptized, saved, baptized. It wasn't saved, wait five years until you feel convicted to get baptized. It was saved, baptized. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be baptized. And if you haven't been baptized, then you need to get obedient. I don't care if you've been saved 20 years. If you've never been baptized, you need to be obedient. There's no magic in it other than obedience. And God likes obedience. Jesus wants us to be obedient. In uh, James 2, 6 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Water baptism is supposed to be the first work that we do as a Christian. It's supposed to be the first thing, the first act of obedience. And if we can't be obedient here, we'll never be obedient when God asks us to do something else. How can we? If we're not obedient to the first thing he wants us to do. I remember uh, years ago I heard a uh, message a pastor preached, and he went to a new church, and it was a brand new first Sunday he preached on tithing. Next week he preached on tithing. The next week he preached on tithing. The next week, for about eight weeks, he preached on tithing. Pretty soon the board was getting a little concerned. And so they went up to him, you know, Pastor, we know tithing, tithing is important. He says, but we think maybe you've kind of hit it pretty heavy. We think that you ought to preach something else, you know, for a change. And he says, I will. Just as soon as I get this part down, then I'll move on to something else. <laughs> Sometimes we need to get the first thing down, and that first thing is to be baptized. Because Jesus said so. Said, for me, that ended. It didn't matter what anybody else said. Didn't matter how many people told me I didn't need to be baptized, that it was an Old Testament doctrine. I didn't have to do it because it didn't matter. Jesus said it. And his word, he said, my words will not pass away. If Jesus said something, he meant it. And these were the last words that Jesus spoke before he went back to heaven. And the last words that somebody speaks before they, well, before people die, you can use in court. Because they know that the last word somebody speaks before they transition into another air, into eternity, is important. Well, these are the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. And he didn't stutter when he said it. Straight out. He didn't want no confusion about it. So that settled it for me. And when we get baptized, we are, called, we are identifying ourselves with Christ. We are identifying ourselves with Christ. I want to be identified with Christ. But if I never do anything to obey Christ, how's somebody going to know I've identified myself with him? I need to get the first thing done first. Matthew 7, 20 says, 21 says, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And why call, Luke 6, 46 says, And why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things what I say? 1 John 2, 3 and 4 says, And hereby we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. That's Bible. That's Bible. God wants us to, to be obedient. And maybe since you become a Christian, maybe you're kind of feel, maybe feeling a little guilty over some of the things in your life. Maybe you're dealing with, with those kind of things. Well, see, the interesting thing is that maybe you didn't give yourself a proper burial. Dead people don't feel guilty over certain things. 
We feel convicted. God convicts us, but he doesn't use guilt to get us to do something. He convicts us. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, out of the Amplified, it says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual conditions have passed away. Behold, the fresh has come. The person we were before is dead forever. We're a new creature. We're a new creation. That's what happens at salvation. And I want the world, when I got saved, I wanted the world to know I was a Christian. And that's why it was easy for me to go, hey, go get baptized. Because I didn't have a problem and I understood that baptism was the first thing that I did to show that I was a Christian. You can't be baptized. Some people baptize into membership into a church. We don't do that. You can't be baptized into the assemblies of God because it isn't. The only way you reason to get baptized is after you become a Christian as an outward sign of something that's happened in your heart. And that's the only reason we baptize. And because Jesus said that. And ultimately, that's what's the important thing, isn't it? In uh, John 14, 15, it says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Baptism is an act of obedience that we'll carry for the rest of our life. When we're obedient in that first act, then it's easier to be obedient in something else God wants us to do. But until we've done this, and baptism's the easiest thing probably God's going to ask us to do in our whole life. Probably the easiest, the most simple thing we can do is to be baptized and be obedient. And there's something about being obedient. When, uh, when I, I was younger, you know, it was nice when your parents would tell you to do something and it was something you really feel good about doing, <laughs> you know. Well, that's kind of what baptism is. It's something that we can feel good about doing because it shows the world and, it, and it's a symbol to me that I'm dying to my old self. And when I come up, I'm a new creation. Not because of the baptism, but because of my testimony, because what Jesus did inside. And it's just an outward sign of what happened in my heart. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth is baptized shall be saved. Now, baptism isn't required for salvation, but back then, like I said, if you were baptized, you were, they knew that you were saved, because only people that were saved got baptized. You couldn't separate the two. Matthew 10, 32 says, Those who declare publicly that they belong to me, I will do the same for them before my Father is in heaven. That's the best way we can do to declare to the world that I'm a Christian. Because he says if we won't confess him before man, and when you get baptized, you're confessing Jesus before man, a whole congregation of people before man, how are you going to do it in front of other people at work? How are you going to do it? to your friends or your neighbors. And it kind of opens up a door, too. You say, what'd you do over the weekend? Well, man, I was baptized. Baptized? You? <laughs> yeah, me. Well, I thought you was a Christian for a long time. Yeah, but I've been, I haven't been obedient for 20 years <laughs> or five years or whatever it might be. And it gives an opportunity to talk to somebody about the Lord. Gives you, it opens that window toward you. No one can be baptized, of course, until they accept Christ as their Savior. That's what baptism is for, is for Christians. Those that have accepted Christ into their lives. And they're saying, I'm changed. There's something different about me. I used to be living over here, and now I'm going this direction. I turned around, and I'm going this direction. And I'm sealing it with a baptism. You know, when you get married, and they say you give all these vows that you'll do, and that, then what do they do? The minister says, you may now kiss the bride. It's sealed with a kiss. 
Amen? Sealed with a kiss. Well, with Christianity, it's sealed with baptism. The same kind of a, and that word thing. And if you don't, you know, and if you don't want to kiss in front of pub people, then don't get married. Because that, that minister or that justice of the peace, peace will embarrass you. So that's why we get baptized. It seals something that we've done in our hearts. But we have to be a Christian first. So maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ. Maybe you've just been coming to church and you've been living a religion and you've been doing kind of the right things. But actually for the wrong reason. You've been trying to do something to impress God. Maybe you've been trying to do something to impress your friends or your neighbors to make you look like you was religious. You can be a Christian and be religious, but you don't necessarily a Christian because you're religious. There's a difference. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. You can, come, you can go to church all day, every day of your life and never be a Christian. But when we accept it, when you come to the realization that Jesus died on a cross for you, and he died there for me. It's my sins that he died for. It's your sins that he died for. And when I realized that, that because of the penalty that he paid, he paid a penalty I couldn't pay. I couldn't pay it. I wasn't perfect. Only a perfect person could die for a sinner. And he's the only one that was perfect. And he left heaven and left everything in heaven in order to come down here and die for us on a cross. And when they crucified him to on a cross, they stripped him naked. And he hung up there naked before the world and listened to people as they walked by and they shook their heads at him and, and they ridiculed him and they called him names and they spit on him. Well, he did that for me. He did that for you. And yet, then we come and say, you know, I want that. I want that forgiveness. I want to live my life differently. I want to go to heaven someday. And yet, then we aren't willing to be baptized. When Jesus did that for us, what's a little tank of water? And yet, it's an important first step as a Christian. And we're going to have a lot of people tonight that's going to be taking that first step. And I want to invite every one of you to come and participate in it. Because it's a celebration. Another one bites the dust, devil. Goodbye. <laughs> and that's exciting for me. I love baptism services because it's a victory. It's a victory service. And now there's more names written in heaven. More names. Where Jesus blots out the sins. That's exciting. That's exciting to me as a pastor. And it's exciting. it should be exciting to you. Because, hey... It does sometimes we see like, feel like we're not winning the war. Well, eventually we will win. I've read the final chapter, and we do win. And here we get battles, and we win little battles here and there. And every time someone is willing to get baptized, it's a victory. And so, man, I'll tell you, I love, love baptisms because it's victory. And if you have ten, man, that's ten times victory. Praise the Lord. I get excited about that. And you should be excited about that. But if you're here this morning and you've never been baptized and you've been putting it off or you didn't understand the importance of it, I want you to rethink that importance. You know, maybe go home and talk to God about it, but I don't know, you can't get over Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go in the, all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them. You can't get past that verse unless you're going to throw it out of your Bible. You can throw it out of your Bible? Well, you can't, we can't pick and choose. This is God's word or it's not. 
as simple as that. So if you're here and you've been putting it off and you've never been baptized and you've been saved 10 years or 20 years or 50 years and you've never made that public confession of faith, you've never said, I'm dying to myself by this symbol and I'm being raised to a new life. I invite you to do it tonight. Come and be baptized because it's going to be an exciting time. But maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior and you say, you know, I don't, you know, I know I need to be baptized, but I haven't accepted Christ as my Savior. Well, don't get baptized until you accept Christ as your Savior. And if that's you here this morning, and you say, I don't know Christ as my personal Savior. I've been to church, I've heard sermons, I've read a Bible that talks about it, but I've never accepted Him, never asked Him to come into my heart. I've never repented or I've never turned around and went a different direction. I'm still doing my own thing over here. I come to church, but Monday through Saturday, hey, I do my own thing. As a Christian, Monday through Sunday, you do God's thing. As a Christian, that's what Christians do. Of course, we do have to go to work, and we do have to do all the things because we said, occupy till I come. We have to live in this world. But if you don't know him as your personal Savior, I want you to lift your hand and say, hey, I need to know Christ as my personal Savior because I haven't done that. I've been living a religion, but I want a relationship because that's what Christianity is. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. Jesus doesn't like religion. He didn't come and die for a religion. Otherwise, we'd all be Jews. Because Jesus was a Jew. He died that we can have a relationship with him, a one-on-one with him, that we can run right into the throne room and we don't have to worry about going through someone to get there. Because our salvation is the one that opens the gate to the throne room. Because when the blood is sprinkled on our hearts, that's what gets us in. When God says, when I see the blood, hey, I'm not going to touch you. Your life is spared. And that's what salvation is, is applying the blood that Jesus shed to our own lives. And in turn, that gives us life. Is that you here this morning? Anyone here this morning say, I want to become a Christian? Okay, I thought most of everybody here was already a Christian. But you never know. I want to give everybody the opportunity 